This episode of Two Towns Over, we visit the Haunted Museum with Don, and he tells us the story of the accursed Dybbuk box, and the story of how it got to its final resting place. But not before we hear the story of how this vengeful spirit became the afterlife's most prominent music critic. Two Towns Over is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of urban legends, conspiracy theories, and campfire tales to find out if there are any truths behind the legends. With dark humor and natural curiosity, we tackle the darkened streets of the town we all know. Welcome to the town with no name. This is Two Towns Over. But, so yeah, the episode this week was supposed to be a campfire story. Mm-hmm. But the more I wrote it, or didn't write it, but the more I researched it, uh, the longer it got. So it's going to be a Two Towns Over. Mm-hmm. Um. What I figured we would kind of differentiate with when it comes to campfire stories in Two Towns Over is with campfire stories, we don't really go into whether or not it's real or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just basically, it's a ghost story, but with yeah, Two Towns uh, Yeah, those are, that's, that actually makes a lot of sense, because with Two Towns Over, it's like we're specifically like, here's a real thing that happened because of a legend, or inspired a legend, or right. whatever. And then in campfire tales, it can be like, Ooh, spooky. I mean, granted, I know you. You are not going to be able to just not. Cuss. Oh, no, certainly. <laughs> That's why I don't camp. <laughs> like People would be like, a long time ago in these woods. Oh, yeah? Really? Are we sure about that? So, what year? <laughs> when? Yeah. What was the technology like? I need to know. So, so good, everybody. Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This is Don. Hi, I'm Ruben. And I shocked Ruben. He didn't know he was going to start talking. Don took my fucking technique from me. <laughs> so, um, it's been a couple weeks because I went on vacation. If that's what you want to call it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't... Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd call it, I think. Uh, it, right? There, there was some days where it was, it was a struggle. Oh, really? Traveling sucks? Well, it sucks whenever you don't realize when you made the plans a year in advance that there was going to be a massive heat wave going through the area that you are. That's why I never plan anything, Don. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do a trip, though, if you don't plan some shit. Not if you're just you. This is true. Yeah. But I had to plan around other people. Yeah. Well, I don't. So. <laughs> yeah. So at one point it was 121 degrees. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I got out of the car like an idiot. We. Why? Because I wanted to know. I wanted to know what it felt like to be in a 121 degree temperature. Mm, That's something cool. I'll never do again. I'm cool. Yeah. It's hot. I don't need to know. And the wind doesn't help. It actually makes it worse. Yeah. There's a wind. Mm-hmm. And then fi- so all week we were sitting there, we were begging for rain, just any kind of rain. And it never rained. Well, the last day we went to the Grand Canyon and it was cloudy all day. We get to the Grand Canyon. It's like 72 degrees, mm-hmm. but it was cloudy. We were at the Grand Canyon for 20 minutes. The sky opened up and the wind started blowing and it dropped to like 62 degrees because of the wind in like a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens when you don't have trees. <laughs> I mean, dead ass like trees do so much for us, you guys. But one thing about that trip that inspired today's episode is we went to the Haunted Museum. Oh, yes. The Zach Bagans Haunted Museum. I don't know who that is. Zach, you remember Ghost Adventures? The guys who taunt the ghosts. I've You're seen... such a big bad ghost. Won't you come take me? Oh, I've seen clips. Yeah. Are they the ones that did that interview with uh, Mothman's Nards or whatever? What? Yeah, there was like a there's like a clip of it's. I think it's those two dudes that are like, they, like they taunt demons and shit. Yeah. For like YouTube or They're whatever. Like, what is it? No, this is an actual. This is on the Travel Channel. It's been a show that's been going on for like almost. Two it's decades. a tall, skinny dude and another dorky looking guy that you that's every ghost god damn it okay what's it called ghost adventures i'm looking it up to see if i know what you're talking about but there's a there's a 
There's a um there's like a picture online and it's th- it's them answering questions and one of the guys who asked a question on Twitter's name was like Mothman's Nards and somebody screenshotted it and put it back on Twitter and he commented on it and that's the, what I know about them. Yeah, the Ghost Adventures guys, they're a bunch of like Also they fucking taunted a goat demon or something. <laughs> there was a bridge, I'm not sure. Goatman Bridge. Oh yeah, we'll get to that story one day. That's them? Well, a lot of people have investigated Goatman's Bridge. No, but I'm talking about the ones where they're like, hey, fuck you, Goatman. No. No, no, no. They were, if you want to say respectful of oh, Goatman. Oh, that's not who I'm talking about, yeah, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the dude that goes on the ghost, like all the famous ghost spots, and then he right. just like calls demons assholes. No, these guys initially, they were like, you know, like if a ghost was like, it was reported this ghost would like beat women or something or hurt a woman. Oh, wow. It'd be like, why you got to, you know, why don't you pick on a man? That kind of stuff. No, that's not. Although I think after, I'm talking about. after a while, they started to be more respectful to the dead. I have a question. Yes. What's the one I'm talking about? I have no idea. Fuck. <laughs> Disre- I'm, this is just truly live. Disrespectful ghost hunter is what <laughs> I'm looking up right now. You guys, this is what I've come to. It's it's this guy. Uh, that's definitely not who the fuck I thought it was. Yeah, that's Zach Bagans. That's the, he's the lead investigator, executive producer, and all that of the Ghost Adventures TV show. But he he has um, a very unnatural, um, unhealthy interest in the macabre. Who does Zach Bagans? That guy. That guy. Okay. He collects there was a visual aid by the way people yeah. sorry if you don't know who zach baggins is you just look literally him look him up it's yeah. z-a-k i think I yeah looked. z-a-k baggins but um not baggins baggins sorry whatever dudes you get it it'll come no, up baggins is a hobbit <laughs> no i'm saying yeah it'll come up they'll, they, they'll figure it yeah, out there's some g's in there yeah but um so he's a very very un, unhealthy he collects death memorabilia mm-hmm. he has Jack Vorkian's van that he helped people commit suicide in. He has... I mean, I guess it takes all types. Yeah. That's has, creepy as fuck, but that's, you know... He has the clothes that Truman Capote wore the night he was killed, or he died. So this dude is loaded. Oh, yeah. I okay. mean, he's got a TV show. So well, he collects fair. all this stuff, and he puts he's put it in a museum in Las Vegas called the Haunted Museum. Right. So that was one of the things we did. I would love to be able to open, like, a dumbass museum. <laughs> Just off of my shit, just like just over my life, just collect a bunch of random shit here's and then just put it in a museum. But it'd be famous enough for people to want to come pay me to see it. Yeah, yeah. Here's my Zelda four cartridge. No, nah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> You're not gonna give up your Zelda four cartridge. Not only that, but I don't have one. Oh, because there's no Zelda four. Well, don't don't be one of those people. I will slap you. <laughs> <laughs> but so his his little museum is filled with a. What if I called it Deadpool four? Huh? There is no Deadpool 4. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> but he... Um, We're on one today, guys. Yeah. So he fills this... He says this museum is filled with stuff. Some stuff is reputed to be haunted. Some stuff is not. Mm-hmm. In this museum is supposedly the most haunted object in the world. Oh? It's called the Dybbuk Box. And that's what we're going to discuss today is the Dybbuk Box. Okay. I'm assuming we're going to go over why it can claim to be the most haunted thing. Sure. Because, well, I think Morris because Zach says so. Oh, well, then but. I don't believe him. <laughs> All right. So. Listen, guys. I know it might not seem like it, but I'm perfectly willing to accept that ghosts are real. Unfortunately, I do not believe that we can detect them <laughs> because dark matter seems to be real. We can't really detect that. We did have, and I know you're going to like roll your eyes because even Brandon did. We did have a couple of moments at the museum where we had to go did we just is that we were in one room that was filled with dolls Mm -hmm. and brandon asked are there any animatronic dolls in here Mm -hmm. and i said i don't know i said why he said because i just saw that doll's head move and that doll's mouth move Mm -hmm. and as soon as he said it i looked and it looked like one of the doll's heads moved now this room was in a very dimly lit this room is very dimly lit, and the lights kind of flickered and stuff. So we kind of assume it's a trick of the light. Yeah, that our brains and like honestly, a cave painting, guys. Yeah, 
But there was something that Sir, was a, were they like uh porcelain dolls? Yeah. Yeah, I it see. Was all kinds of those kind of dolls. They're already creepy and then they put the lights to flicker for shadows to be weird. And they only allow like two or three people in at a time. Yeah. And it's in basically a closet. Yep. But there was another thing that was a little bit and I'm not saying that it was, can't prove that it was, but it was a little bit like that's at one point Cindy said something just pulled my hair. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody behind her. Mm-hmm. Now, what she said, she was standing still, and her hair was, like, on her shoulder, and it kind of, she just felt it kind of, like, flip off her shoulder. Mm. We don't know. But, so, mm. we did have a couple little fights. I don't, I, uh, our regular listeners may not understand that I am fully bald. Like, I choose to shave. I don't know how <laughs> hair feels, so I can't mm. comment on this. I, mm, mm. Not everybody can have the luscious locks that I have. So, anyways, so... Oh, okay, all right, we're just going smooth past that, huh? <laughs> At least around the edges. The, the <laughs> top is a little little, little less luscious, a little more um, sparse. So, anyway, so supposedly this, this Dybbuk box is the most haunted thing in the museum. And this is a museum that's got paintings done in blood and that has Charles Manson's ashes in, you know, the stuff from Richard. Wait, what? There was a guy who was so obsessed with Charles Manson uh-huh. that he painted a picture of Charles Manson uh-huh. with his own blood. And then when Charles Manson died, he was cremated. He got some of Charles Manson's ashes and used the ashes as the whites in Charles Manson's eyes. That's fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> For, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the scariest thing is that my son... The most fascinating thing to him in the whole museum was the area that was all about serial killers and John Wayne Gacy. And Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get that. I mean, we go down into the basement where there were supposedly satanic rituals done. There's a big pentagram on the floor. And he's like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's too modern. He's too modern. <laughs> I'm a little too modern, honestly. But like, at a certain point, you become, by very nature of, like, we're, we li- honestly, guys, we live in the future. As far as technology goes, like we live in a time that no one imagined until it was almost here. Do you know what that means? That nobody saw this coming. Nothing about what we have right now did anybody see coming. Like we don't have the like years, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, back when there were kings and queens all over the fucking place, you could kind of. You could kind of predict what was going to happen generation to generation because technology moves so slow. It moves way too fast now. Like, if even if you look back in the 50s and, like, 40s and 50s, like, early sci-fi, yeah, none of that shit looks like it looks now. Mm-hmm. Like, none of it. Some of it, like, like, some of it, there's this thing in sci-fi where some of it is predictable, but really what happens is somebody, some kid reads a thing and they're like, well, that sounds really cool to be able to explore the underwater areas of whatever the fuck. And the device, as described, would look and function very differently than what actually became the submarine. But, you know, somebody got an idea from a book they read and they invented a submarine. That's real. Check it out. <laughs> but, like, none of the technology looks or acts like people thought it would. And now it moves so fast that we've developed this sense of, like, our technology is basically magic even to us right now. I don't know. I mean, I get basically how stuff works. I don't, I couldn't make a phone from Mm. scratch. I couldn't even build a car. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's been around for hundreds, like, a while, you know, since the 1900s. So at least, what, 100 years Coming up or just passed, something like that. What, the car was invented? Yeah. Yeah, the car was like early 1900s. Yeah, it was like 1900-something. So, yeah. a little over 100 years. Um, My point being that like pentagrams and shit like that, it requires, tech- it requires you to not have a certain level of technology for you to still be able to get that weird tingle of like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway so what was supposed to i mean it was weird the way they laid it out because you would think that if you were going to see the most haunted thing in the world that that would be like the end of the tour because it was a guided tour unfortunately it wasn't yeah. something you could spend your time 
but um but no it was like in the middle of the tour but you had to yeah you had to you you, you could choose all the other most of the rooms you just you had to go in you know as part of the tour but there were some mm. rooms that you were given the choice if you don't want to go in just stay here and one of them was the room with the divic box ah so let's get into the story of the divic box where it came from and what first it of is. all zach bagans bagans reorganize your tour bro <laughs> i know our tour ended with with a room that had stuff from natalie wood the the ship that natalie wood supposedly fell off of and drowned even who is that she was an actress who cares i mean that's what i'm saying i mean that to like, me, you know it's like, okay yeah, all right hey go. man all you got to do is switch natalie wood with a dybbuk box yeah. and then right into a dimly lit souvenir shop dog that's <laughs> all you got to do creepy music <laughs> done i've fixed it for you all right so what is the dybbuk box well, let's get into the story of that yeah i want to know like how big it is and stuff all right well actually you have you have the dimensions a small wooden cabinet went up for auction on eBay. Inside were two locks of hair, one granite slab, one dried rosebud, one goblet, two wheat pennies. You know what those are, right? Wheat pennies? Wheat pennies. No. Those are the pennies that instead of having the Lincoln Memorial, it's like two pieces of wheat. It says one cent. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was like pre-1940s. like Yeah, it's like an old-ass penny. Yeah. And um, one candlestick and allegedly one dibbick. The Dybbuk? The Dybbuk. Would you spell that? D-Y-B-B-U-K. What is that? I'm about to tell you. All right. The term Dybbuk first appears in the number of 16th century writings, though it was ignored by mainstream scholarships until S. Anski's play The Dybbuk popularized the concept in literary circles. Earlier accounts of possessions, such as that given by Jewish historian Josephus, were of demonic possessions rather than that of ghosts. The accounts advocated orthodoxy among the populace as a preventative measure. For example... It was suggested that the sloppily made, that a sloppily made mezuzah, I don't know what that is, uh, or entertaining doubt about Moses' crossing of the Red Sea opens one's household to divic possession. Say that again. So, go back. Go back a little bit. Okay. Basically, it was it was one of those things. It was so, it was basically they would teach you that if you had doubts that Moses actually crossed the Red Sea. Or you you didn't cor- uh, make something correctly that it opened your house up to a possible possession by a divot. Ah, okay. It was basically like the like, boogeyman of the 16th gotcha. century Jewish. So it's it's like you better keep your faith, or the dibbuk will come get you. Exactly. Okay. All right. So what is a dibbuk? Well, a dibbuk is traditionally they tended to be male is spirits. That racist? Did I just do a racist thing? Uh, uh no. You I just hope did, not. You just did a Jewish accent. I is don't it, know. Is it, is it is it racist? Was that the, Jewish? Yeah. Are we sure? I don't know. Let's, let's watch, hope so. Let's watch Wonder Woman real fast and find out, because that's her accent is Jewish. So traditionally, divics tended to be a male spirit who possessed women on the eve of their weddings, typically in a sexual fashion by entering the woman through their vaginas. So basically, what a divic is is in Jewish folklore, it is a possessing spirit, not a demon, mm-hmm. but a spirit. Not a what's the opposite of well meaning? <laughs> benevolent. A benevolent, no, not benevolent. Malevolent. Malevolent spirit of something or somebody. The opposite of well meaning. Okay. Yeah. So, now the story of the Dybbuk box began its journey into legend when it was discovered by a man by the name of Kevin Manis. He first bought the Dybbuk box as a wooden wine cabinet from his antique furnishing shop. It was among a pallet of other items as part of an auction lot. And after he placed the winning bid, Manus was approached by a woman who said to him, I see you've bought the Dybbuk box. Thinking it was a family heirloom, Manus offered to give it back, but the woman ran away crying, exclaiming that she never wanted to see the box again. Mm-hmm. Taking the box to his shop, Manus left it in the basement because he planned to do some ma- minor repair work and rub some oil into its wood. Almost immediately, anyone near the box suffered its wrath. For example, a shop clerk left alone with the box heard cursing and a sound of breaking light fixtures. She fled the shop in terror, never to return again. And a couple who bought the box from Manus mysteriously left it on the store's stoop a few days later with a note saying that the box had some bad energy. Mm -hmm. Manus decided that the wine cabinet, which is what it actually was. Here's one thing that always interests me about like haunted shit. At a certain point, why... Does it still exist? Because burn it. <laughs> well, the the thing. Well, is, okay, I'm just imagining like 
all the stories of every haunted object I've ever heard about is like, I got this from so-and-so and this is the story of how it happened or, you know, this person found it in a random location and then they gave it back or whatever. It's like, why did they give it back? How many humans take something that is malfunctioning and don't get rid of it or try to fix it? Well, with the Dybbuk box, it's kind of it's kind of part of the, the, the... that I get that part. But I'm just saying, like, don't, giving it back, if you have it and can move it, you can move it into a fire, <laughs> you know? But the idea is that the Dybbuk box is what's actually containing the spirit. Not if it can haunt me. Well, that's just it. What if I believe real hard about Moses? At it. (laughs) Like, aggressively. (laughs) Like. (laughs) No, man. You don't believe Moses crossed the Red Sea, but in creepy Jewish ghost voice. And I can just be like, incorrect the son of abraham did cross the red sea and god did in fact help him do it i believe this and you can suck my whole dick <laughs> that's the aggressive part well i'll i'll dibbick you you bitch <laughs> double dibbick <laughs> <laughs> now manis decided that the wine cabinet which is what the the dibbick box was made out of was a wine cabinet uh while he hadn't yet associated with the strange happenings in his store would make a nice gift for his mother nice yeah nice (laughs) according to haxton who was um what is this guy an italian why do i think he's italian no this is he's american okay (laughs) because you don't think americans can make mistakes like this no incorrect we are too smart to be we are too smart to be tricked by that dibbit oh shit so if the dibbit is in america we're we're all gonna die well the typic is in america because it's at zach bagan's haunted museum Mm, i don't know about that (laughs) so um according to haxton who was the owner one of the owners when kevin's mother received the box she suffered a stroke leaving her partially blind unable to speak and paralyzed when manis saw his mother she this is this this is the shop owner yes right the guy who bought the box Mm mm-hmm when he saw his mother after the stroke, she had scribbled hastily on a piece of paper, gift bad. So he took it back. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, soon all kinds of unexplained events occurred surrounding the box. Anyone who slept near it would have dreams of being pummeled by a demented hag, notice odd scents, and see dark, shadowy figures. Okay. Fearing for his sanity and afraid of harming or destroying the box might leave these spiritual entities in his home, See, there you go. Break the box, spirits stay at home. How do they know that it's not break the box and the spirit loses its tether to the mortal plane? I don't know. I'm just just (laughs) spitballing here. Manus sold the wine box to a college student in an online auction. Bro, he really don't give a fuck about other people, does he? No. (laughs) (laughs) The student also witnessed the unexplainable. When his hair started to fall out in clumps, he decided to get rid of the box. Oh, you don't have alopecia. It's a demon. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. A possessing spirit. So the seller, a Missouri college student named Yos Isof Nitska. Look, it's- we apologize for any mispronounced names. Hey, you guys, we are so American that it's sad. It's I-O-S-I-F. Yosif. It might be. I don't know how to pronounce other names <laughs> is so, what I'm saying. So we're going to say Joseph. because That's probably what it's that is. Yes, Yosef Nitska. Described the container as a haunted Jewish wine cabinet that had plagued several owners with rotten luck in a spate of bizarre paranormal stunts. Here is the eBay listing in its entirety. Oh, yes. Hey, hey, hi, hey, hey. <laughs> um, hey, McElroy Brothers, please don't sue me. I have zero money, but um, this is our haunted doll watch. Welcome to it. Yeah, there you go. Here is the story of the haunted wine box, exactly as it appeared on eBay. You form your own opinion. All of the events that I am about to set forth in this listing are accurate and may be verified by the winning bidder with the copies of hospital records and sworn affidavits that I am including as part of the sale of the cabinet. Affidavits. Nice. Mm -hmm. Good word. During September of 2001, I attended an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. The items liquidated at this sale were from an estate of a woman who had passed away at the age of 103. 103. Yes. A granddaughter of the woman told me that her grandmother had been born in Poland where she grew up, married, raised a family, 
and lived until she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. Where she stopped believing in Moses and got possessed by a Dybbuk? <laughs> no. Okay. She was the only member of her family who survived the camp. Her parents, brothers, a sister, husband, and two sons, and a daughter were all killed. Damn. She hey, guys, Nazis fucking suck. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Her grand... So this guy is being told by the grand... I just noticed this. He's being told by the granddaughter... Yeah. ...that her grandmother went to a We're concentration... already two steps removed, yes. Yeah, and everybody... Everyone except, except her died. Her, including her kids. Mm-hmm. So where'd the granddaughter come from? Maybe new kids. Uh, maybe. You're right. Okay. Sorry. She survived the camp by escaping with some other prisoners and somehow making her way to Spain, where she lived until the end of the war. I was told that she acquired the small wine cabinet listed here in Spain, and it was one of only three items that Although, she brought with her. Sorry, I got to back up a little bit, because you're right, Don. Maybe new kids, but more likely um, fake person entirely <laughs> on an eBay listing to sell a box. Yeah, maybe. That is not haunted. We, we will get to all that. Whether it's true. If or not. this person is real, I apologize for thinking you were fake. <laughs> That's some shit. But like, listen, I'm jaded. <laughs> I don't believe in ghost stories, and I especially don't trust eBay sellers. <laughs> so I was told that she acquired the small wine cabinet listed here in Spain, and it was one of only three items that she bought with brought with her when she immigrated to the United States. The other two items were a steamer trunk and a sewing box. Mm-hmm. I purchased the wine cabinet along with the sewing box and some other furniture at the estate sale. After the sale, I was approached by the woman's granddaughter who said, I see you got the Dybbuk box. She was referring to the wine cabinet. I asked her what the Dybbuk box was, and she told me that when she was growing up, her grandmother always kept the wine cabinet in her sewing room. It was always shut and set in a place that was out of reach. The grandmother always carried the Dybbuk box, or called it the Dybbuk box, I'm sorry. Hmm. When the girl asked her grandmother what was inside, her grandmother spit three times with her f through her fingers and said, a dibbik, a kesselum. The grandmother went on to tell the girl that the wine cabinet was never, ever to be opened. Mm -hmm. The granddaughter told me that her grandmother had asked that the box be buried with her. However, as such a request was contrary to the rules of an Orthodox Jewish burial, the grandmother's request had not been honored. I asked the grandmother or the granddaughter what a dibbik and Kesselim were, but she did not know. I asked if she would like to open it with me. She did not want to open it, as her grandmother had been quite emphatic. Hey, no, my grandmother wanted to bury this box with her. I'm not going to open it. <laughs> she had been very emphatic and serious when she instructed her not to do so, and regardless of the reason, she wanted to honor her grandmother's requests. I finally ended up offering to let her keep what seemed to me to be a sentimental keepsake. At that point, she was very insistent and said, no, no, you bought it. Mm -hmm. I explained that I didn't want my money back and that I would take it would make me feel better to do what I thought was an act of kindness. She then became somewhat upset. Looking back now, the way she became upset was just plain odd. She raised her voice to me and said, you bought it. You made a deal. When I tried to speak, she yelled, we don't want it. She began to cry, asked me to leave and quickly walked away. I wrote the whole episode off to the stress of the grief and grief she must have been experiencing. I took my purchases and politely left. At the time when I bought the cabinet, I owned a small furniture refinishing business. Okay, so this, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. This, this is, is actually the original eBay posting that the, the, okay, the, um. Wait, so this is happening in a time of eBay? Yes, 2001. I missed that part. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Mm. So this was actually written by the original owner. This isn't the college student like I thought. That was yeah, this is the this guy is that the, bought it. Yeah. Uh, at the time when I bought the cabinet, I owned a small furniture refinishing business. I took the cabinet to my store and put it in my basement workshop where I intended to refinish it and give it as a gift to my mother. I didn't think anything more about it. I opened my shop for the day and went to run some errands, leaving the young woman who did sales for me in charge. After about half an hour, I get a call on my cell phone. The call was from my salesperson. She was absolutely hysterical and screaming that someone was in my workshop breaking glass and swearing. Furthermore, the intruder had locked the iron security gates and the emergency exit and she couldn't get out. As I told her to call the police, my cell phone battery went dead. 
I hit speeds of 100 miles an hour getting back to the shop. <laughs> when I arrived, I found the gates locked. I went inside and found my employee on the floor in a corner of my office, sobbing hysterically. I ran to the basement and went downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs, I was hit by an overpowering, unmistakable odor of cat urine. Gross. There has never been any animals kept or found in my shop. The lights didn't work. As I investigated, I found the reason for the lights didn't work also explained the sound of glass breaking. The reason for the lights didn't work. Yeah. It's a good phrase on a haunted doll watch. <laughs> I just want you... The reason for the lights didn't work is also the reason for the glass. What? <laughs> All the light bulbs in the basement were broken. All nine incandescent bulbs had been broken in their sockets. And ten four-foot fluorescent... Not the incandescent bulbs. Yes. Oh, yeah. What about the fluorescent ones? Since you just said that word. They were lying shattered on the floor. No. Yes. Don, it's a ghost. <laughs> it's a ghost. I did not find an intruder, however. I should also add... Did you find a disgruntled employee? <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, leave me alone. I'll teach him not to fucking pay me on time. Uh, I should also add that it was only one entrance to the basement. It would have been impossible for anyone to leave without meeting me head on. I went back up to speak with my salesperson, but she had left. She never returned to work again. Yeah, she did it. After having been with me for two years, she refuses to discuss the incident to this day. I never thought of relating the events to that day to anything having to do with the cabinet. Then things got worse. Oh, my God. More, a, more than more than broken light bulbs? Yes, and cussing. Oh, goodness. As I already indicated, I had decided to give the cabinet to my mother as a birthday gift. About two weeks after I made the purchase, I decided to get started refinishing it. I was surprised to find that the cabinet has a unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and a little drawer below to open at the same time. It is very well made. Inside the cabinet, I found the following items. One 1928 U.S. wheat penny. One 1925 U.S. wheat penny. One small lock of blonde hair bound with string. One small lock of black or brown hair bound with string. One small granite statue engraving, engraving and gilded with Hebrew letters. I have been told that the letters spell out the word shalom. One dried rosebud, one golden wine cup, and one very strange black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. I saved all the items in a box, intending to return them to the estate. <sighs> the family has refused the items, so they will be included in the sale of the cabinet. After opening the cabinet, I decided not to refinish it. I cleaned it and rubbed in some lemon oil. It was at that time that I noticed that there was also an inscription in the Hebrew carved into the back of the cabinet. I have no idea what it says or if it is significant. You would think when you got that one word translated, you would have translated what was on the back. I'm just saying if somebody was there that knew how to read Hebrew. Yeah, well. You might be, hey, while you're here, man, can you just on the back? Just but, check this out real quick. Yeah. I have included a picture of that inscription below. On my mother's birthday, October 28th, 2001, my mother called to tell me that she was going out of town with my sister for three days, and we postponed celebrating her birthday together until she returned. Of course. On October 31st. Oh, wow. 2001. Everyone knows that's the most haunted day. <laughs> for the most haunted item. My mother came to the shop. We were going to have lunch together, but before we were going to leave, I gave her the wine cabinet. She seemed to like it. While she examined it, I went to make a phone call. I hadn't been out of, out of sight more than five minutes when one of my employees came running into my office saying that something was wrong with my mom. When I went back to see what the matter was, I found my mom sitting in a chair beside the cabinet. Her face had no expression, but tears were streaming down her cheeks. No matter how I tried to get her to respond, she would not. She could not. It turns out that my mother had suffered a stroke. She was taken to the hospital by ambulance. She ended up suffering partial paralysis and losing her ability to speak and form words. She has since regained the ability to speak. She could understand things. But not to form words? No. So she's... I'm sorry, that's probably up there with your Jewish... <laughs> We're on one today. <laughs> sorry. We um, apologize <laughs> for existing. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> she could understand things being said to her and could respond by pointing to letters of the alphabet to spell out words she wanted to say. When I asked her the following day how she was doing, she teared up and spelled out the words N-O-G-I-F-T. I assured her that I had given her a gift for her birthday, thinking that she didn't remember. But she became even more upset and spelled out the words H-A-T-E-G-I-F-T. Hate gift. I laughed and told her not to worry. I told her I was sorry she didn't like the cabinet and that I would get her anything she wanted if she would promise to get well soon. Still, I didn't associate anything that had happened with the cabinet itself or anything paranormal. Frankly, I don't think I even ever used the term paranormal until this last month. I'll try to make this short now. I'm a skeptic too, you guys. <laughs> Trust me, this is truly haunted. <laughs> I give the cabinet to my sister. She kept it for a week, then gave it back. She complained that she couldn't get the doors to stay closed and that they kept coming open. There are no springs in the door mechanism, and I have never found that the doors come open. I gave it to my brother. And, and how did you get the shit out of it? Well, no, meaning that they open on its own. Oh, okay. Um, I gave it to my brother and his wife, who kept it for three days and then gave it back. My brother smelled it, said it smelled like jasmine flowers while his wife insisted that they put out an odor of cat urine. I gave it to my girlfriend, who asked me to sell it for her after only two days. I sold it the same day to a nice middle-aged couple. Three days later, when I came to open the shop for the day, I found the cabinet sitting at the front doors with a note that said, This has a bad darkness. I had no idea what that meant. Anyway, I ended up taking it home. <laughs> <laughs> I love the ignorance of this man. I love the person. He wants you to think he's so stupid. He wants you to think he's so stupid. I don't know what it has a bad darkness meant. I don't know why people kept returning it to me. I don't know why my mom had a ghost stroke. I don't like. Come on, ghost man. <laughs> that's a good name for a band. Ghost stroke. ghost stroke. That's a that's an excellent name for a band. I'll be honest. That's pretty good. Oh, so he took it home. Then things got even worse. Oh my, is this like the town that we talked about last time? <laughs> Dudley Town. Dudley Town. <laughs> no, no. Since the day I brought it home, I began having a strange recurring nightmare. Every time I have the horrible dream, it goes something like this. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust at some point in the dream. I find myself looking into the eyes of the person that I am with. It is then that I realize that there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag I have ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me. I have awakened numerous times to find bruises and marks on myself where I have been hit by the old woman during the previous night. Still, I never related the nightmares to the cabinet, nor do I think that I ever would have. Unless... About a month ago, however, my sister and my brother and his wife... Wait. Okay. My yeah. sister, comma, and my brother and his wife. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Say that the first way you said it, a it. About a month ago, however, my sister and my brother and his wife came over to my house and spent the night. Okay. okay. The following morning, during breakfast, my sister complained that she had had a horrible nightmare. Mm. She said that she recalled having it a couple of times before and went on to describe my nightmare exactly to the last detail. My brother and his wife froze as they listened and then chimed in that they had both had the exact same dreams during the night as well. The hair was standing up on the back of my neck and still is. Did we all get, did we all get mugged by a hag <laughs> in the dream realm? Ghost mugging. We got ghost mugged. By the ghost stroke. God damn it, ghost stroke. <laughs> Your music is so fucking rad. <laughs> That's their first single, Ghost Mug. Yeah, dude. Ghost Mugging. Ghost Mugging. <laughs> As we talked, it became clear that the common denominator was that each of us had had the nightmare during the times that the cabinet was in our respective homes. Simultaneous nightmares could either be their, diff their like hit single or a different band. <laughs> Ghost Stroke, opening up for simultaneous nightmares. Now, I think I like... We are Ghost Stroke, and this is Simultaneous Nightmares. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the first t-shirt we have to put out. Absolutely. Yeah, Ghost Stroke. 
patent pending. I'm writing it down. (laughs) I called my girlfriend and asked if she could recall having any nightmares recently. She described the same nightmare, same hag, everything. When I asked her if she remembered the date when she had the nightmare, she said that she did not. Then I asked if it happened to be the night before she gave me back the cabinet to sell for her. She said, yeah. How did you know that? Now then, since my family discussion, it seems like all hell is breaking loose. For a week afterward, I started seeing what I can only describe as shadow things in my peripheral vision. In fact, numerous visitors to my house have claimed that they have seen these shadow things. I put the cabinet in an outside storage unit and was awakened when the smoke alarm in the unit went off in the middle of the night. When I went to see what was burning, I opened the door and didn't see any smoke. However, I did get hit with the smell of cat urine. When I went back inside... I love that they describe getting hit with the smell of cat urine. Like, it just smacks them in the face. Well, that's part of the ghost mugging. God damn it, you're right. (laughs) You're right, we've discovered the technique. (laughs) Oh, this is great. Okay, now, when I went back inside, the smell was there in my house. And this is all in caps. I do not have a cat. And never have. (laughs) I went back outside and grabbed the cabinet. I brought it back. The cabinet. The cabinet, yeah. Uh, I brought it back inside and tried to research it on the internet. While I was surfing the net, I fell asleep and once again had the same freaking nightmare. I woke up at around 4.30 a.m. When I felt and smelled like someone was breathing on my neck. To find that my house now smelled like jasmine flowers. And just in time to see a huge shadow thing go loping down the hall away from me. Okay. I would destroy this thing in a second, except I really don't have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. I am afraid, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is that seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. Here's the thing. Everybody keeps bringing it back to you. (laughs) Why don't you just take it? anywhere else and drop it off Mm -hmm. that seems to solve the problem so uh just dump it in the river thank you (laughs) people can't be down there yeah cabinets can yeah (laughs) yeah i have been told that there are people who shop on ebay that understand these kind of things and specifically look for these kind of things if you are one of those people please please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. You can see that I have no reserve price or minimum bid. If I can make things any easier, let me know, and I will do everything within my abilities. One more note. On the same day my mom had her stroke, the lease to my store was summarily terminated without cause. The measurements of the box are 12 and a half inches by 7 and a half inches by stop, 16. Stop! 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 <laughs> <laughs> just as an afterthought my mom had a stroke and my lease was terminated without cause anyway this box is haunted <laughs> and 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 it wasn't because me an unscrupulous seller of false ghostly shit <laughs> on the internet there's nothing to do with the lease being terminated or my mom having a stroke it was it's a ghost box so, but you were wanting to know. Have you guys ever heard of the Ghost Strokes? They're a great band. You should give yes. them a listen. Yeah. Simultaneous Nightmares, man. Oh, it's my favorite single. That's my jam. So, the measurements are 12 and a half inches by 7 and a half inches by 16 and a quarter inches. Mm. All of the items that I originally found inside the cabinet are included in the cell and will be delivered with the cabinet. On June 12th, 2003, at 12.15 Pacific Daylight Time, I guess, PDT, anyways, Seller added the following information. There is no way that I can respond to all of the emails I've received since I put this thing online. I'll try now to update and answer the most common questions I've been receiving. Number one, no, I am not religious. Number two, no, I do not wish to have or participate in any sort of exorcism or case study or photo sessions at my home. Three, No, I will not sell any of the individual pieces which were originally found separate from the other pieces in the cabinet. Four, no, I do not speak Hebrew, nor do I know what the word Kesselim means. I don't know the word that the word is even or a Hebrew word. Hey, 
I, why is every human so bad at English? We grew up in an English-speaking country, right? Mm -hmm. Why are they this bad at English? Uh, number five at the end of the auction into the addiction end of this guy is actually better than most of them but like why what how do you fuck up that bad <laughs> i have decided to take an opportunity to speak with the winning bidder for two reasons a to make sure that the winning bidder is a serious adult who has employed some valid reasoning skills in making the decision to accept whatever this is i will not be judgmental do whatever you want or need after the sale B, to offer full details of the events that have tra transpired. After I have carried out those responsibilities and upon payment, I will have the cabinet and its contents delivered by U.S. Mail, FedEx, or UPS to the winner bidder. At that point, I will have no further involvement with the matter in any way, shape, or form. Pert. Pert? Pert. 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 Number six, to all of you who have offered to pray, I may not be religious, but I am certainly open to the possibilities, no matter what religion you might be. Thank you. At least he's polite. Yeah. Jason Haxton, a 54-year-old married father. We're out of the eBay listing. All right, cool. We're back cool. to the main story. Sweet. Uh, a 54-year-old married father of two who had an interest in antiques and artifacts placed the winning bid of $280 in the eBay auction. Intending to give the box to a friend, an illusionist who wanted to use it for his act. Hey, guys, real quick. The fact that there will this person is like, I want to get rid of this box. It's super haunted. Please take it away from me. But I also want to make some money. Yeah. So like, you know, grain of salt. That's a pretty big goddamn grain. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping in mind that according to the story, he was willing to give it back to the family for free. Right. He didn't care about the money. Exactly. <clears throat> so the guy and the fact that he tried to give it away to so many people. Yeah. So the guy who bought it intended to give the box to a friend who was an illusionist and wanted to use it for his act. The friend refused to take it. It wasn't long after Jason Haxton received the package in the mail that he said his eyes turned bloodshot. He broke out in welts and hives, and he began choking at random times. There's that ghost mugging. This is a college student again? No, this is the guy who bought it from the college student. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This gets confusing because there's multiple eBay auctions. Haxton, of course, here's your, here's your Haxton was skeptical of stories he had heard about the box until he until he said similar events befell him. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was possible. I was too science based, he said. All I knew is I got this thing and I got very ill. I don't know what happened. I still don't know. He said he tested the box for heavy metals such as mercury and even biohazards, but the test came up negative. He interviewed previous owners of the box and researched Dibbix. Hacks, which is weird because at no point was it ever mentioned it was Dibbick. Oh, no. No, you're right. You're yeah, right. and the, the eBay listing. Yeah, the mother did say. say. Yeah, the grandmother. Sorry. My bad. See, I was trying to be all skeptical, too. I'm not a skeptical person. Haxton also spoke to both rabbis and scientists who advised the same thing. Put the box into a wooden container lined with gold to neutralize its destructive force. First of all, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, sorry. That's not how gold works. No scientist ever told you that shit. No one, no scientist said to reduce the destructive force, you must put it in a wooden but gold lined box. Yeah. Keeping in mind that you're talking about, good grief, uh, well over like a hundred cubic feet. Well, it's full, but still, that's a lot of gold lining. Yeah. But. Be it an evil spirit or an electromagnetic field, this is what's being neutralized. Sorry. Haxton did, he said, and Gold. his medical problems immediately disappeared. In the meantime, the Dybbuk box had become an internet legend, and Haxton was receiving nonstop inquiries. The eBay listing got tens of thousands of hits. The website Haxton de developed around the box, dibbickbox.com, mm -hmm. received hundreds of thousands of hits. The Los Angeles Times published an article about the box in July of 2004. Soon, Hollywood came calling. Haxton sold the rights to his story in the fall of 2004, and Lionsgate released the film produced by Sam Raimi of Evil Dead fame in the United States. Haxton himself doesn't figure as a character in the movie The Possession, in which a family must overcome an evil spirit that inhabits a young girl's body after she buys an antique wooden box at a yard sale. 
Haxton, who's credited as a production consultant on the movie, calls it a conglomerate of all the stories people have talked about the box. In 2011, a university press published Haxton's accounts of the book of the experience in the Dybbuk box as a non-fiction book. He said most of the profits supported the university press. Haxton's younger sister, Darcy Haxton Jackson, amazing, yeah, who lives in Universal City, called the story of the box very interesting and very believable. Oh, yes, sure. Because mm-hmm. every movie or book or anything where someone's sister gives a review, it's got to be creditable. Yes, my brother told a very believable story. <laughs> hey, thanks, homie. Like, <laughs> like, hey, let me call you, Jesse. Listen, I need you to tell mom and dad that I am at so-and-so's house. Please? (laughs) All right, fine. I'll get you a goddamn tea mug. (laughs) All right. Bet. Like, that's how that went. That's how that went. Knowing your sister, I bet you that was an actual conversation you had with her at some point. No, we were were pretty honest. I never got in trouble for that because I was always like, I'm going to go places. No, but I could just see you asking something from Jesse and having her say she wants a tea mug out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a t-shirt. All right, cool. (laughs) I got you. Their mother, Rhea Haxton, a retired art teacher who also lives in Universal City, described her son as a creative and imaginative man. Rhea Haxton Maxton? Yeah. Who has always loved doing research. She's not sure what to make of the mysterious box. He keeps telling me he's going to give it to me for my birthday, and I keep telling him I don't want it. She said, I've got enough problems. Haxton has been added or aided by Rebecca Ettery, an Orthodox Jewish bookkeeper who lives in Brooklyn and whose father studied Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. I, you know, if I was just, this is a random thought, but if I was a haunted object, I think I would know that most people don't have just one. Haunted object? Correct. If you have, if you're the type of person to, that wants to keep haunted shit, mm-hmm. you're gonna have more haunted shit. Yeah, you make a so museum. I would simply just wait until I was in a house with other haunted shit, and then when a new thing came in that certainly was not haunted, I would then begin my haunting. <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. I'm saying that <laughs> I would use decoy, decoy shit. To do the haunting. If you were a go, if you were a haunted right. doll. Right. Like, if I'm a haunted doll, right. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to use my ghost powers to wait until they buy a bread box, say. Yeah. And then I'm going to make shit happen near the bread box <laughs> so that when they get rid of the bread box, I just stop for a little bit. I just stop for a little bit. They get a new bread box or a butter container or whatever the fuck, and I just do it again. <laughs> They'll never find me. They'll never find me. And when they pack up and move, guess where I am? I'm in the goddamn van <laughs> with them. I win. Yeah, so. I'm the best haunted object, and all of you can eat my ass. <laughs> uh, it was Ettery, 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 sorry, who helped uncover the purpose of the box. The two doors on the outside open up just like the Holy Closet, or Aaron Hakadesh, a receptacle for Torah scrolls. And I saw round metal hoops on the inside of the doors that would hold scrolls. This particular size is used when going to comfort the family of the deceased. She also states that she is convinced that the box was sacred and had been intentionally stuffed with some sort of spirit. This was done deliberately for a specific purpose. She believes that to put an end to the misfortunes, the box needs a formal Jewish burial involving a ten-man minion or prayer group. Haxton believes the box is neither good nor evil. So the box needs to be buried, but it's also not evil or good? Yes. All right, cool. He states, I believe that it was designed and equipped to move a person toward their innermost desire or wish. Of course, sometimes what a person wants is not always a good thing for them or others. Haxton further explains he feels that the Dybbuk box moves toward understanding and exposing the truth at the smallest level. Its original acting out against its early owners and others was a way of continuing to move toward the ultimate goal of its creator. Thus, not willing to move it forward received stronger assaults from it until let loose of the box so it could find someone who would fulfill its destiny and accomplish the goal or task it was given. 
Now the journey and its work are finished. As long as the Dybbuk box remains contained with no one requesting anything more from it, it will stay in a neutral state. After years with the Dybbuk box, Haxton decided it was time for a break from the events that plagued his life because he owned it. Yet his plague was a lot of people bugging him about it. With that, he sold it to the Ghost Adventure star Zach Bag- Bagans, and now, who now keeps the box in his haunted museum in Las Vegas. Perhaps the one thing you should take away from this story is that people should always be extremely careful when interacting with any object. People should always be extremely careful when interacting with any eBay listing. <laughs> that produces paranormal activity. Never let curiosity override your better judgment. One final addendum to the story, and the most recently reported facet, is the curse that apparently affected rapper Post Malone in 2018. At first, it looked like Post Malone had gotten himself caught up in a classic Final Destination scenario. In August, right after the VMA Awards, the rapper and his entourage boarded a private plane in London, or to London, only to have the tires blow off immediately after takeoff. The pilot managed to land the plane safely, but the universe appeared to believe it had been deprived of a soul And a few days later, armed robbers broke into a house where Malone used to live and demanded to see him. Fortunately, he wasn't there. Again, he was fine. And again, the universe seemed to rage. On September 7th, 2018, the rapper's Rolls Royce was T-boned by a Kia in West Hollywood. He made it out unscathed. Now, however, it seems that the string of misfortunes is not the universe working to correct an accounting error, but the result of a good old-fashioned curse obtained from a haunted box. According to TMZ, Malone visited Ghost Adventures host Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas back in June of 2018. Are we trying to say that Post Malone was killed by the Dybbuk box? No, that he was cursed by it, and he had a string of bad luck because of it. Okay. Yeah. No, not that he's dead. No, Post Malone's not dead. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I would have been so mad. (laughs) What, did they kill Post Malone or that they're trying to say Post Malone was dead? Neither. <laughs> they would have been like, hey, a famous rapper um, was haunted by the Dybbuk box is uh, infuriating to me. <laughs> Bagan showed him around a while while Malone casually sipped a beer. God damn it. I'm so mad that we're talking about Post Malone. <laughs> At one point, Zach brought him to see the Dybbuk box. Mm-hmm. Usually... Bagans told the TMZ, the box is covered with a protective casing. So you and you have to be over 18 and sign a waiver just to see it. But Malone is a celebrity. So Bagans let him see without the protective casing because I guess celebrities are immune to most. Curses. Video from TNZ shows Malone hanging back and nursing his beer, his hand on the doorknob, while Bagans shows him the haunted box, his hand resting on top of it. Malone has a very dude, let's get out of here vibe and reaches out to touch Bagans, who then jumps away from the box. According to Zach, that one moment of contact, Malone touching Bagans was who was touching the box was enough to get the rapper cursed, which seems unfair and something Bagans, who is a ghost expert, should have made very clear before they entered the room. But Bagans is okay. He's never been haunted? Oh, he's haunted all the time. Because he, you know, he has uh, interactions all the time. Oh, my God. In fact, they actually opened the box on a special episode of Ghost Adventures, and everything just went crazy. So. I hate, I I don't like con artists, (laughs) I think is the thing. So here's the thing. A skeptic went to Zach's Haunted Museum. And did everything he could to get as much information about the box as he could by looking at it. Mm -hmm. This is what he wrote. His name was Chris French, and he's the head of the Anomalistic Psychology Research Unit at Goldsmith University. Said that the box's owners were already primed to be looking out for bad stuff. If you believe you've been cursed, then inevitably you explain the bad stuff that happens in terms of what you perceive to be the cause. Put it like this. I would be happy to own this object. Boom. Thank you. Me too, bud. In 2014, skeptical author Brian Dunning investigated the Dybbuk box legend and determines that the whole idea of a box being inhabited by a Dybbuk is nonsensical. According to what a Dybbuk is supposed to be, the Encyclopedia Mythica describes it as a disembodied spirit possessing a living body that belongs to another soul and usually talks from that person's mouth. An important 1914 Yiddish play 
called the Dybbuk, was about the spirit of a dead man who possessed the living body of a woman he had loved and had to be exorcised. Nowhere in the folkloric literature is there precedent for a Dybbuk inhabiting a box or other inanimate objects. What? No way. An American guy pulled a Jewish word out of his out, out of like a play he saw once when he was 10 and tried to make money off of it. Okay. I don't know any Americans who would do something like that. In his closer look column in Skeptical Slash Inquirer, S. in his closer look column in Skeptical Inquirer online in January of 2019, investigator Kenny Biddle reviewed the Dybbuk box he found on display in Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. His conclusion following careful investigation of the cabinet's construction and history, was, despite what various owners would have us think, the infamous Dybbuk box is not a haunted Jewish wine cabinet from Spain, but instead a mini bar from New York. Amazing. Biddle also wrote that he believes Manus created the Dybbuk box story from whole cloth, and that this elaborate story that started the entire legend was not an account of real supernatural events, but instead a fictional backstory he came up with to sell an ordinary and incomplete mini bar. What? Biddle's claim of the box and this legend being fraudulent is backed up by a screen capture of a Facebook post made by the original originator of the legend, Kevin Manis, to the Haunt Me page. The post, dated October 24th, 2015, states this. Keep in mind, this is the original, the guy who created the eBay listing. I am the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appears as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a Dybbuk box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I'll pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. Boom. I mean, yeah, I made up an eBay listing to sell a box. There's like a whole, hey, the whole fact that I made a haunted doll watch joke at the beginning of this is there's like a whole subculture of people Mm -hmm. who just like to trade ghost stories on eBay. They don't actually care about the objects. Right. They just, they wanted a way to do ghost stories and make money off their ghost stories. So they found it. Now, according to Zach, there have been multiple people who have had heart attacks, who have passed out. No way. Just from being in the presence of the Dybbuk box. Just from being old and and in his museum at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, originally the Dybbuk box sat in the middle of a room on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And it was literally like on a pedestal and there was a glass case over it. Now, around the Dybbuk box, they had salt, like a line of salt, which is typical, keep good, but also a line of sage. But you could walk up and get close to it. When we went, there was actually a encasement around the encasement. There was now a big, massive box that had windows that you look through. And the windows had, supposedly a Jewish prayer on it. Now, even Cindy, who is, how can I put this? We are skeptical believers, if that makes sense. Sure. We believe in that there's possibility of ghosts, but we are not one of those that every little thing is, oh my God, it's a ghost. We're not like that, though you may think it. So even no, she... No, I don't... If I did, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> even she said, that doesn't look like it's over 100 years old. That's right. So, but the thing is, is that now because of this new encasement they have around it, that you can't get close enough. Plus with the words written around, around the, like etched in glass on the windows, it's harder to like get a good look at it. Yeah. Now, according to the guy who sold it to Zach Bagans, Manus, no, what was his name? Maxon, mm-hmm. Maxon Jackson. Maxon Jackson. <laughs> um, there are actually 10 Dybbuk boxes in the world each one representing a stage of the um, tree of life in Kabbalah and supposedly Zach now has two of them the one we've discussed which is supposedly the first one the main one and then there's one which is the tenth one which is carved in it's a little box and it looks like it's a tree stump Mm -hmm. and that's the root of evil in this box supposedly however if you go and type in Dybbuk box in YouTube, you will see hundreds of videos of people who have gotten Dybbuk boxes off the dark web. Oh, yeah. So, literally, it's... It, somebody made up a story, and everyone else copied it. 
Yep. Wild. So literally, we've just discussed an urban legend, much like Slenderman, that's less than, you know, a decade old. I love the ones that, like, it's so fascinating because people believe this Mm -hmm. clearly. Yeah. But the guy who made it up is like, no, I made it up. And they still believe it. That's well, crazy to me. Well, it goes. It's like that. We haven't discussed it yet. We, like, we, was there a guy back in way far back times where it was like, "Oh yeah, dude, I saw some guy turn into a wolf," and then a year later, be like, "Oh, that I just made that up to scare my cousin who was in town," mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "No, dude, I saw a werewolf," and yeah. you're like, "What?" <laughs> like, I mean, it's you know? like it's like with Slenderman. I mean, there is you can clearly this is the first mention of Slenderman, Slenderman ever. Yeah. And there are still. My name is Swalson Lindemann. Yeah. And I want to save you a whole lot of money. I want to eat you hot in front of some children, I think, is what Slenderman does. I'm not 100% sure. I eat the hot of children. Oh, right. I want to eat some children's hots. Yeah. We're just just fully, fully get cancel us. Just cancel us. (laughs) We're just digging that hole deeper. I hope Josh is able to to save us from this whenever he comes. He won't be able to save us from this, Don. We've thrown an anchor into the Marianas Trench. <laughs> and we're holding and on. tied our ankle to it. Like, I don't know what. But we have our first t-shirt. We are the ghost strokes. We are the ghost strokes. And this. Simultaneous nightmare. Simultaneous nightmare. <laughs> it's in 12 parts. <laughs> it's an hour and a half long. Part one, ghost mugging. Ghost piss cat mugging. Or ghost part two smell cat piss ghost mugging. I'm sorry. Part part two smells of jasmine. <laughs> the culmination is the part twelve dibic box unleashed. Yeah, like dun, 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 dun. so. If you're listening and you musician, hey, it's prog rock. There you go. It's prog rock. It's got to be like Rush. Got to be twelve parts, multiple changes. If Ghost was doing Rush music, that's what Ghost Stroke sounds like. So get busy on that. So, anyway, yeah. So there you go. That's the story of the Dybbuk box. Um, Zach Bagans, I don't have any money, so don't sue me. But um, stop scamming people. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. But please, thank you. Well, I mean, with Zach Bagans, well, I don't know. With Zach Bagans, it's kind of hard to tell if he believes it or not. He I mean, de- no, it's not. Eh. Uh, he doesn't. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> But anyways, so that will be the end of this episode. We hey. have we have our first recurring characters in, in Saul Slenderman. Saul Slenderman. <laughs> Thanks for um, listening to our shitty podcast. We love it. No, it's real fun. This isn't shitty. This is awesome. It is. It's really fun, actually. We're awesome. We want to thank our sponsors, Saul Slenderman and Ghost Stroke. And the Ghost Strokes. Hey, guys, I want a T-shirt. There you go. I need it signed by each member of the Ghost Strokes. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys.